If you've got your Bible, let's go to Exodus chapter 13 this evening. Exodus chapter 13, I find two divisions in this chapter. The first one encompasses uh, the first 16 verses and uh, the majority of the chapter. I want to read those to you. And the subject is redemption. The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came you out in the month of Abib. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee, a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep his service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes, and the Lord's law may be in thy mouth, for with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt." Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck, and all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both the, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of the beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand and for frontlets between thine eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. Let's pray. Lord, it is our prayer tonight that you would open our eyes to see the lesson from your word. It's so easy for us to get distracted by mention of dietary things such as leaven and unleavened bread. It's so easy for us, Lord, to get lost in all of the instruction that is given about the memorials that the Jews are to keep and to lose sight of what the spiritual point is. I pray and ask tonight, Lord, that you would drive that point home to our hearts and that it would be of great comfort to us as we see you as our Redeemer and we as your redeemed. Father, help me to make it clear, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Redemption is the theme of the book of Exodus. Every book of the Bible has an overarching theme. Some of those are interlaced and and quite extensive. Some of them are simple and simplistic. And so we've talked about this before, Genesis. Uh, We can put origins over that. And God tells us the origins of everything from the stars to the earth uh, to mankind to gender, male and female, the origin of the nations, the origin of language. I mean, it's all about origins. It's about the origin of the people of Israel I take up the majority of the end of that uh, Leviticus the very title tells us what that means it's about the Levites and it tells us about their Levitical law if we spoke Greek we'd understand that Deuteronomy means second law and it tells us that Moses is repeating the law for a second time to a new generation of people Exodus while it is primarily about the people of Israel leaving Egypt The theme is redemption, and the very first mention of the word redeem in all of Scripture is right here in Exodus 13. And so, as we are looking at this, it behooves us not to get lost in some of the details that we might think are non-essential for us today, but to take the macro look and to look at this and say, okay, hold on a minute. Since Exodus chapter 4, God's been telling Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. And every time Pharaoh says no, God hits him with a plague. And I'm telling you, it is plague after plague after plague. Exodus 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. There's 10 plagues that come down culminating in the final plague, which is the death of the firstborn, which God describes as a Passover event for the people of Israel. And we reach that pinnacle in Exodus chapter 12 where they sacrifice the Passover lamb. God visits the land in the night. The firstborn die who are not covered by the blood. The Egyptians expel the Israelites from the land. As you know, they don't get too far out out of Ramses before Pharaoh and the armies begin to pursue them and they don't even get across the Red Sea before they are cornered in the very next chapter. And yet, Moses, by inspiration of God, says, hey, hold on a minute, y'all need to know something. You, you need to remember to practice redemption of the firstborn because that's what God just did for us in bringing us out of the Lamb. Do you see how that seems like a little bit of an awkward fit in the major movements? I mean, we're going from action, 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 and we're about to go to more action when the Israelites think they're going to die by the Pharaoh's army, and then God encompasses them in the Red Sea. I mean, these are major movements, and all of a sudden, here's some instructions about how you're supposed to practice this redeeming memorial in the years to come. The word redeem means to ransom, rescue, or deliver. Ransom, rescue, or deliver. It really encompasses all three. It is the idea of rescuing by ransom, that it costs something. The redemption of Exodus chapter 12 is that the Passover lamb is sacrificed and that the blood is shed in the place of the firstborn children of Israel. 
this chapter, Exodus 13, God instructs Israel through Moses to redeem every firstborn of man and beast. Hey, before you guys move on, before we even leave Egypt, before we cross the Red Sea, know this, God requires of you to redeem every firstborn of man and beast from here on out. In perpetuity, there is no end to this command at this point. This act of redemption prescribed to Israel is based on God's act of redemption, which just took place in Exodus 12. And it is so important that it will forever shape the people of Israel. You see, this is one of those events in the history of Israel that shapes them as a people, as a nation. There's a few of these events. I mean, the first one goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 when God calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to make out of you a nation. And that's when he sets them apart, gives them a promise of a land. And then later he renews that covenant and he adds the token of circumcision and that begins to shape them as a nation. Later he will bring them to Mount Sinai and he'll give them the Ten Commandments and that shapes them as a nation and I'm telling you, this is one of those major movements that can be easily read over and thought little about. But it is so important that it is going to forever shape the people of Israel. They are going to be known by this forever. Not only is it so important because it shapes the people of Israel, but it also shapes their understanding of God. You see, we have the benefit of a completed revelation. But until the revelation was complete, it was progressive. And God was revealing himself in different ways and different aspects. And this is a major revelation of God to the people of Israel that is now going to add a new dimension to their understanding of who God is, what God is, how God is, what he is like, what he has done, what he will do. And so I want us to give some attention to redemption since God saw it so important enough to give it the majority of this chapter 13 in the midst of this flight out of Egypt. Also, since God took the time to reveal it to Moses between Egypt and the Red Sea, I feel like that is what we need to focus on this evening. And so really I just have two, two points for you tonight. Number one, the Lord is the Redeemer. The Lord is the Redeemer. What, what's the big message that is coming out of this? The big message that's coming out of this that God wants His people to know is that He is the Redeemer. And you know, sometimes we, we use terms so much that, that we, we, we lose sight of the meaning of it. And this is one of those words, I'm afraid, that we've heard all of our life. We've sang it in hymns that we've sung since we were children. We've talked about it, but, but we say it without the weight that it ought to carry. The Lord is the Redeemer. Notice this, it is repeated five times in these 16 verses that it is the Lord who brought them out. The first time it is said in verse 3, towards the end of the verse, For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. 
Verse 8 says that you should tell your children this, this is done because of that which the Lord did when I came forth out of Egypt. Verse 9, towards the end, the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Verse 14, towards the end, by the strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And at the end of verse 16, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. What's the point? The point is the Lord brought you out because the Lord is the Redeemer. This is a new dimension of God's revelation of himself to his people. Never before has God done this. Think about it. God has revealed himself as creator. Genesis 1 and 2. God has created the heavens and the earth. He's placed mankind in it. They are understanding that God is the creator. Even as we come into Genesis chapter 6, when God destroys the earth by a flood, he does that because he's the one who created it. And if he wants to destroy it, he can destroy it. He has the power to create. He has the power to judge. And he has the power to recreate. And so God has revealed himself clearly as the creator later in the revelation of God he reveals himself as the covenant maker it was not Abraham who spent an extended time in search of God that got God's attention it was God who made the move to Abraham and he says Abraham I am calling you to be my people and I'm going to make a covenant with you and I will fulfill that covenant with you and with all of your progeny with your son and your son's son and your sons after that I'm going to make a nation of you and we learn that not only is God the creator and as the deists believe, he created and then he stepped away. No, God then stepped in and initiated a covenant relationship with his people. He didn't have to do that. He chose to do that. So God's revealing himself. He's not just a God afar off with great powers and creativity, but he is also a God who comes near and a God who makes a covenant and makes promises and will fulfill those promises. He has revealed himself in Scripture so far as a caregiver. We see this with Jacob. Jacob flees his home. He, 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 he got the birthright and the blessing, but he didn't get any of the material possessions that go with it. Do you realize that? I mean, he got the titles, but he didn't get any of the money or material that went with it. He literally left home with nothing. On his first night of sleep, he sleeps with a rock for a pillow. He goes and works for crusty old Uncle Laban, and Laban jacks him around and robs him even more. He spends 14 years working just so that he can marry Leah and Rachel. And then God's caregiving shows up in the life of Jacob. As Jacob has a revival in his life and he comes back to the Lord, the Lord begins to bless Jacob and multiply Jacob. And in those last six years, Jacob becomes a man of great substance, so much so that when he leaves the house of Laban and he comes back and he's about to encounter his brother Esau, he has hundreds and hundreds of animals and herds and flocks. And you see God's care for this son of Abraham. And that care extends 
on to his son Joseph as we see him betrayed by his brothers and sold into Egypt and he goes into servitude and then into prison and then God in this miraculous display of caregiving turns the tides and he brings Joseph into the presence of Pharaoh and Pharaoh elevates him to be the prime minister of the land so that Joseph can then facilitate this small band of people, about 70 in number, and bring them into Egypt in a time of great famine so that God can care for them and grow them into a nation. All of this has been revealed by God to his people up to this point. But do you understand he's never revealed himself as a redeemer to them yet? But here... He reveals himself as Redeemer. They are learning something new about God. He's not just the creator. He's not just the covenant maker. He's not just a caregiver. He is a Redeemer. When we are sold into bondage, when we are in slavery, when we can't help ourselves, he comes to the rescue. The Lord is the Redeemer. Five times it says, The Lord brought you out of Egypt. Well, that means that Israel could not deliver themselves. The Egyptians were worried because their numbers were multiplying and they thought maybe, maybe if a foreign power came to attack that the slave population in Egypt, the Israelites, might, might unite with them and overthrow them. But, but do you realize Israel never could deliver itself from Egypt? They did not have the resources, the power, the strength, none of it. In fact, no man, no man-made power, and no man-made scheme could have delivered them. It wasn't Moses that delivered them. It was God that brought them out. And Moses would be the first one to tell you. In fact, he did tell you. He's the one who is speaking here in Exodus 13 when he says, The Lord brought you out. It was not the power of man. It wasn't the scheme of man that could redeem himself. They needed a redeemer. Only God could redeem Israel. Only God did redeem Israel. No one else has the credit for redeeming Israel. And only by an act of divine intervention could they be redeemed. The Lord redeemed them by an act of divine intervention from plague, 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 Passover, Red Sea. It is divine intervention by which God redeems His people. And so, Redeemer became part of the identity of God. Think about this. This is the first time you see the word redeem in Scripture, Exodus 13. But not too far from now, you start seeing God being referred to as the Redeemer. Psalm 78, 35, and they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their Redeemer. Proverbs 23, 1, for their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. Isaiah 43, 14, thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. 
In fact, as I was cross-referencing that word redeemer, I noticed that there's a heavy concentration of it in the book of Isaiah. Over a dozen times is God referred to as redeemer in the book of Isaiah. That makes you scratch your head and say, why, why is that? Why is that going on? I understand that that's part of his new identity, but hey, in Isaiah 12 times, he's saying, I'm the redeemer, I'm the redeemer, I'm the redeemer. Why is he repeating it so much? Why is he holding up that aspect? or showing that side of his identity in the book of Isaiah. And I'll tell you, it is because the people of God are about to go back into bondage. You see, he shows up as redeemer when they are in bondage in Egypt. And when they have sinned and went far afield and they are about to be overrun by foreign powers and Isaiah is one of the last prophets who's standing up and saying, Repent, turn back, judgment is coming. By the way, God is a redeemer. God is a redeemer. God is a redeemer because they're not going to heed his warning. They are going to go into bondage. And you know what they're going to need? They're not going to need the covenant-making God. They're not going to need the creator God. They're going to need the redeemer God to get them out of that situation. This revelation of the Lord as Redeemer is so important to our understanding of God. God wanted His people, Israel, to know this. Look at our text, Exodus 13. He wants them to remember Him as Redeemer. Exodus 13, 3, Moses said unto the people, Remember this day. In which you came out from Egypt out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Remember that he is the redeemer. Never forget that. You may not need his redemption at this very moment. You might be part of the redeemed. But remember that he is the redeemer. Because there are others that will need to be redeemed. And we need to introduce them to the Redeemer. He wants them to celebrate their redemption. Exodus 13, 5, And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amorites, uh, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, he swear unto their fathers to give thee a lamb flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month, what's he describing there? He's describing a celebration. He is describing an annual memorial that they are to celebrate their redemption. And so he wants them to remember that he is the Redeemer. He wants them to celebrate their redemption. Redeemed people ought to celebrate their redemption. The day that God redeemed them. The day that he delivered them. The day that he ransomed them. The day that he brought them out of bondage. He wants them to teach their children and introduce the next generation to the Lord as Redeemer. Exodus 13, 8. Thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done. Because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. Yes, this aspect of God as Redeemer is so very important to our understanding of God. He wants His people to remember it. He wants them to celebrate it. And He wants them to teach it to other people. Furthermore, second point, God's people are the redeemed. God's people are the 
redeemed. Notice how he begins this chapter. Verse 2, the Lord says to Moses, verse 2, Sanctify, set apart unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Possession belongs to God. They belong to God. Verse 12, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast. The males shall be the Lord's. Being redeemed is so important that it shapes a new identity for Israel. Not only does it shape the identity of God and they see him as the redeemer, now it is shaping their own identity. They are not just the covenant people of God. They are not just the ones who are cared about by God. They're not just the creation of God. They are now the redeemed of God. God redeemed them and God is the one who possesses them. This became so much a shaping of their identity identity that later in the Old Testament we we find this description in Psalm 107 let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he redeemed from the hand of the enemy they knew that they were the redeemed they saw themselves as the redeemed can I ask you this what greater value could be placed on them You see, redemption has to do with ransom, does it not? In fact, uh, let me give you a New Testament commentary on that. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians at Ephesus, and he is speaking to them about redemption. And in Ephesians chapter 1, He says in verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. It's an interesting statement. That idea of redemption means to purchase, means to buy, to ransom. And the Redeemer who redeems them paid a price for them. You know, sometimes people struggle with their self-worth. I know that seems to often happen in adolescent years. And so there have been times, opportunities when I've spoken to teenagers and I felt that that was the burden, the message that I needed uh, to touch on there. That because of what life deals with sometimes, we, we feel valueless. I know that was my condition as a teenager. Uh, my dad leaving when I was a kid, not really having anything to do much with this. It, it caused me to feel like I, I didn't have much value to anybody. And then I didn't have anything that gave me value. I wasn't a straight-A student. I wasn't a good athlete. I didn't, all these things that the world puts value on, I, I seem to have deficits on. And I know that there's a lot of people out there who feel that same way. But what really gives you and I our greatest worth is the fact that God was willing to redeem us at the highest cost anybody ever paid. 
Do you know what it costs God to redeem you? Christ, His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He purchased us with His blood. If that's the value that God put on you, you better not devalue yourself. Don't mark yourself down and put yourself in the clearance bin of life saying you're not worth very much because the Redeemer paid a high price for you. You're valuable to Him. That's what Israel is looking at here and they are recognizing God didn't redeem everybody else in the world. God did not redeem the Egyptians. God did not redeem the Hittites. God did not redeem the Hivites. God did not redeem the Canaanites. God redeemed Israel and it becomes part of their identity. They are the redeemed. Well, as always, I believe that there is a spiritual lesson that God is teaching to us through the historical events of Israel. And the lesson is the same for us as it was for them. The Lord is the Redeemer and we are the redeemed. Would you look with me for just a moment to 1 Peter chapter 1? There's a few places in which the Bible talks about this. Romans chapter 3 says that we have been justified through redemption of God. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse by the cross. Revelation 5.9 says that out of every tribe, tongue, nation, that we were redeemed to God by the blood of the Lamb. But Peter being a Jew, speaking to Gentiles and Jews about salvation, reaches back into the Old Testament history of Exodus, and he pulls that word into a New Testament context. And he says in 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times. You tell me the last two words for you. For you. The Lord is the Redeemer, and He redeemed the people of Israel, but He is also the Redeemer who redeemed you if you are born again by faith in Jesus Christ. You are worth more than silver and gold. You could not redeem yourself. You could not be redeemed by any man or any man made power or scheme or strategy. Only the Lord could redeem you, and He found you so valuable that He paid for you with the blood and the life of His very Son, so that now you are part of the redeemed don't ever see God separate from redemption and don't ever see yourself separate from redeemed it is not only an identity that we understand God by but it is part of our identity in Christ now that we are the redeemed I find that theology is one of the greatest strengths 
in the trying times of life. Now, I don't mean egg-headed theologians in seminaries trying to parse Greek verbs. I'm talking about knowledge of God. I'm talking about what you know about God will get you through the toughest days of your life. And if you don't know God very well, then the tough days are going to knock you down and they are going to turn you angry against God because you think that he's the cause of the problem. When I understand that God is the Redeemer, I understand that God is love and that His love motivated Him to intervene and to take action and to come into a situation of bondage and to rescue and to pay and to deliver. I understand that God is good and that God is active and that God has redeemed and that He has made the most significant gesture of love towards me that He could ever make when He sent his son to die on the cross for me so no matter what else happens to me in life I understand that God loves me infinitely more than I will ever understand and I don't have to doubt it no matter what comes my way not only that I can understand that I am the redeemed I don't know why I'm the redeemed. I don't know why God found in value in me but I know that he did find value in me and that I am part of his redeemed children and so as I started the service I shared with you the news about my mom I, I literally got that news this afternoon I was supposed to go see her this week she she called me I think I know what she was doing now but she called me and said we don't need anything Justin don't worry about coming up I know she wasn't feeling good now and she didn't want me to come up to see her I don't know What's going to happen from here? I'm waiting to hear back from my brother as soon as I, I finish up. But I know that my mom knows the Redeemer. And I know that my mom is part of the redeemed. In fact, she's the one who first told me about the Redeemer and what it meant to be redeemed. So that if my mom's days are short on this earth, I have a rock-solid hope in God because I know that he already paid the sacrificial price for her life and for her soul. And that if she exits this earth, she gets to go and be with her kinsman redeemer that she has loved for so long. And I can't help but think of the words of Job when he says, for I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Man, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know what's going to happen with our country in the years ahead. But I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the latter day, he will stand upon the earth. And he will stand with those that he has redeemed. And he will make all things right. So take hope tonight, church, in your Redeemer. Let's bow. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Truly, as a transcendent God, you would be unknowable to us if you had not bent the fabric of heaven to reveal yourself to us in these different ways. 
Lord, I'm so thankful that we don't just know you as creator. While we could derive many things and understand much about your intelligence, about your order, about your structure, about your artistic and creative ability, we would not know how much you care for us if you hadn't revealed uh, yourself to us as a caregiver. Lord, we want to understand that in spite of our sin and our bondage to sin, that you loved us so much that you would send your son to die for us and bring us out of that sin. We wouldn't know that unless you had revealed yourself to us as Redeemer. Lord, I pray that it would be our passionate pursuit in life to get to know you better. As with each revelation that we uncover, each dimension that we see, we get to understand how great and wonderful you are. And it gives us strength to live life in the tough days and to have hope when things seem hopeless. Lord, I pray that tonight your identity as Redeemer would loom large in our horizon and that no matter what we face it would be overshadowed by your redemption i pray in jesus name amen